For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? Welcome back to the program. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm sitting in for my man, Bucky. And of course, we got Bobby LaMarco on the other side of the fence again tonight. Usually, you're catching a Buck and Bob podcast. Bucky's out. Tonight, we send our condolences out to him, but I'm back in the hot seat for the podcast. I haven't been on the podcast in quite a while. If you're onto the YouTube channel, which of course you should be, the fantasy-focused YouTube channel, then you're catching Bob and I on our mini-series. We've been doing about 15-minute shows on individual players, right? This episode, we're going to be breaking down an overview of the wide receiver bus from 2021 fantasy football. We're going to highlight about eight players specifically, and we're going to give you a list of about 15, 20 total. But if you want to get kind of the nitty gritty, a little bit deeper, like Bob and I like to get with the statistical analysis, make sure you jump onto the YouTube channel and catch our mini series as we already did the running backs. We're already doing the wide receivers. Those are separate from the podcast. Those are not available on the podcast. This episode is not available on YouTube. So make sure you jump over to the pod, uh, the YouTube side, excuse me, fantasy focused on YouTube, and you can find our mini series. Before I jump in here with Bob and we break down our eight players, very excited to jump into the bus and basically try to figure out how we can avoid wide receiver bus in 2022. We already did it for the running backs. We're going to do it for the wide receivers. But before we do that, we want to give a huge shout out to our big sponsor. Want to give a big up to our friends at Bet Online. Bet online is back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NFL season and the NBA season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online remains the number one spot for all football and basketball action this season. Make sure to head over to the new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BELIEVE50. That's B L E A V 50. BELIEVE50 to receive your bonus. From football to basketball to NHL to boxing to UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the rest of the 2021 seasons. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, guys, listen, we're here to talk today about a full deep dive on how to avoid drafting a bust in fantasy football. So what we did today is we're going to be talking more detail about kind of what we found as a common theme. So that's really the important of these entire segments is trying to figure out, you know, is there common factors amongst these busts? And that's what we're really doing. So to start the kickoff today, I want to talk quickly about the first common theme and it's something we've been talking about already me and sky already broke two of these guys down earlier in dk metcalf and calvin ridley it's scheme changes 
And we noticed this with other players like Corey Davis and LaVisca Chenault. You know, there's other guys that didn't really meet expectations. A lot of it has to do with some quarterback play. Some guys have injury factors as well. But really, scheme changes has been a common theme that we've seen over the last few years. I talk about my my, my impact of NFL coaching changes. I talk about the second-year leap. Um, especially in the passing game, scheme changes really do impact players. So Calvin Ridley, we broke him down yesterday. DK Metcalf, we broke him down yesterday. So make sure you're checking that out as well. Scheme changes really, just to break, make this really quick, not necessarily uh, you know, a quarterback change, not necessarily a, um, you know, a change in a play caller. It's a change in overall philosophy. Like if you hire a tight end coach or a wide receiver coach or a QB coach to take over for an OC, they typically keep the same scheme in place. These are complete overhauls for the most part, and that's why we really talked about Arthur Smith and also Shane Waldron yesterday as scheme changes. That brings me to our next section, which is going to be player injuries. This one's really, really obvious. Injuries happen. There's nothing preseason that we can kind of look at and say, hey, this guy's due, um, unless we use like uh, pro football doc knows something. But this another thing, too, is the guys we're going to talk about today, and here's just a kind of a clean list of the guys. Really, we identified as A.J. Brown and Robert Woods. Um, those guys, more than any, you could, you could point at Corey Davis, Curtis Samuel, you know, other guys that played like 10 games like DeAndre Hopkins, for example. But really the main factor for A.J. Brown and Robert Woods was their injuries because especially Woods started picking up over the last few games. And A.J. Brown really had his big moments, too, when he was healthy and on the field. So player injuries, obviously paying attention to uh, the preseason in August. If guys have lingering hamstring injuries are important. So, Sky, of the player injured players, which guy do you want to break down today for us? Yeah, you had mentioned there's a number of guys we could talk about, but I'm going to pick Robert Woods for a number of reasons. First of all, I've loved Robert Woods for years in fantasy football. Uh, very consistent. Also a great PPR asset. I like PPR formats. He's a great guy to get in the middle rounds, usually always undervalued. This year he happened to get injured. Look, no matter what breakfast report you heard preseason, no matter how much you love Cooper Cup or Matt Stafford preseason, nobody knew it was going to be that incredible this season. So Robert Woods was a guy that you were able to get in the fourth round who could either be a wide receiver one if you needed him, if you got three quality running backs, or he could be a wide receiver two or three if you went uh, heavy elsewhere. So Robert Woods is a guy I had a lot of and unfortunately got burned because of it. But again, we're, we're recapping 2021. We're also looking ahead to 2022. So Robert Woods was disappointing because he played, you know, about half a season. He got hurt in week nine and he started slow. That That's what was frustrating. But right before he got hurt, he was actually starting to see the targets. He was starting to see the downfield targets. We know that he rushes the ball a little bit, right? Debo's Debo, but Robert Woods kind of made rushing as a wide receiver cool, right? Um, a couple years ago. And so if you take Robert Woods at face value, he was on pace to actually have better numbers in 2021 than he had in 2022 when a lot of people kind of felt that he was a steal at receptions, yards, yards per reception, air yards, and touchdowns. He was on pace to better all of that in 2021 overall than he um, before he got hurt in week nine. Now, of course, it's the Cooper Cup show in L.A., obviously, but Woods was starting to connect with Stafford right before he got hurt. Now, a lot of people are thinking, okay, but what about Odell Beckham? Well, Odell Beckham got hot, got hired he got signed with the rams the day before robert woods got hurt okay imagine cooper cup robert woods odo beckham and van jefferson in that offense 
they probably wouldn't have lost a game. He's as consistent as they come, as I mentioned. 15 and a half fantasy points per game in four consecutive seasons. So the average of 15 and a half fantasy points in four consecutive years. Incredible high upside wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside. I trust Stafford and Woods to find their stride this coming season in 2022 when he gets healthy. I don't expect Odo Beckham to come back to the Rams. I do love Van Jefferson, of course, Cooper Cup. But Woods was second in the NFL last year in team snap share percentage among wide receivers. What that means is when the Rams were on the field, Robert Woods was on the field. You want opportunity. Bob talks about it all the time. Opportunity is king. You want that for your wide receiver as well. He was also fifth in average target separation. So when the ball came to him from Matt Stafford, he was the fifth best at creating separation. We talk all about Adams, talk all about Diggs, talk all about Tyreek Hill. Nobody talks about Robert Woods. He separates very well like Adam Thielen, underrated as well. I personally, Bob, am willing to buy the dip that will inevitably come for Robert Woods. Yeah, wide receiver, 37, overall 85th. Bring it. In Absolutely early bring that. That's going to change, but early ADP Bring says that. <laughs> buy that dip. And honestly, I got I always recommend go check out game logs. He actually wasn't that bad. The funny thing is it's I think it's a Cooper Cup illusion thing, but anyway, I'm not supposed to talk about your guys. My fault, guy. Anyway, I am going to talk about AJ Brown. Um I said preseason that I thought there was only one guy that I considered that could take over as the number 1 wide receiver in fantasy realistically. Uh, you know, I wish I said it was Cooper Cup. I did say he was my must-have player, but I never thought he would be that good. But AJ Brown was that guy. And I thought he was I thought he had more upside than Stefan Diggs for a variety of reasons, but it was really because of the concentration of targets, the the potential of all the vacated targets from the preseason. But unfortunately for AJ Brown, he did play a lot of games, but when you look at and you actually dive into his snaps, the games that he was healthy, it really shrinks down to 11 full games where he actually got over 60% of snaps. So when you're diving into this, he was average ADP positional ADP was seven point uh, seven and a half. Overall was about 24th overall. So that two, three turn, he finished on a points per game basis, 25th, which is really not that good in overall 32nd. So, um, but when I, I just wanted to take a look at those games, right? So he only got over 60% of snaps in 11 games. In those games, he averaged 12.9 points per game and a half point PPR. That's wide receiver 14. So we already see a huge jump from wide receiver 25 to wide receiver 14 when he's on the field playing and healthy. So it's a clear indication that he is probably going to improve dramatically in his next season. However, when you're diving into his consistency metrics, you know, obviously when you're looking consistently from FF today, they incorporate all games. So a couple of games that we took out. The two games we took out that he left earlier didn't play the full allotment of snaps are included here, but he only had three elite games. That's a that was 15th best rate amongst all wide receivers. But then you look at his wide receiver one performances, he was 31st in wide receiver one percentages. So that is not good. That's like mid-range wide receiver three and how many wide receiver one games he had this season. The other factor, too, is how many times he hit double digits. He's six of his 13 games. That's 32nd. Now, of course, if we start removing those two games where he left early, those numbers are going to rise. But the other thing I noticed is we started talking about these busts. And Robert Woods, I just brought up, his overall ADP is just a joke. 85th? Come on, we're going to take that all day. A.J. Brown is 20th. (laughs) So he's actually 20th overall. So he actually is, is being drafted higher. And 
I didn't really think about this when I was looking at the, the bus situation, but for AJ Brown, people will remember the playoff game that he won for everybody because he comes back in the second week of the playoffs and he has that monster game. I think it was against your 49ers, to be honest with you. Uh, and he goes bananas. And then I have followers who are saying, oh, he's not a bust because of that one game. And I'm just like, okay. So I think it's reflecting already in his ADP that people are not – they already forgot about the early season injuries, the slow start, the issues with Ryan Tannehill early on in the season. But it sounds like he's going to bounce back in 2022 and people are thinking that already the next uh the next section i want to talk about is qb factors now whether it's qb injuries bad qb play or a new qb we noticed right away there is a bunch of different factors that go into this now this list is a little bit a little bit longer but it starts at the top of terry mclaurin of course I don't care what anybody says. I signed up for Ryan Fitzpatrick, not Taylor Heineke. If Fitzmagic doesn't bust that hip, I listen, come on. I just – I'm so disappointed. I kind of throw up Terry McLaurin's season unless they can't improve the quarterback, right? If they roll back Taylor Heineke, which it doesn't sound like they will. But that was a big factor for Terry McLaurin's, you know, less than stellar 2021. Allen Robinson, I mean – I'm just super excited to hear what my uh, my man's got cooking in the kitchen for Al Robinson because I sorry to give away, but that that one's just confusing. But the interchanging at quarterback, Andy Dalton, Justin Fields, Nick Foles didn't really work out. Um, you know the the Bears. Who would have thought they would be miss, missing Mitch Trubisky? Is is beyond me. Uh, Chase Claypool and Juju Smith Schuster kind of fall on this list. These guys both were drafted inside the top 100 picks, both in the top top 85 picks. Neither really came close to their actual ADP. Odell Beckham, listen, we're all going to forget about what happened. Obviously, the ACL tear in the, in, the, in the Super Bowl is crushing. But during the season, he just wasn't vibing with Baker Mayfield. Kenny Galladay, uh, you know, I retired his jersey for now. But, I mean, him changing teams and then dealing with the Daniel Jones, Mike Lennon, and then um, what's his name? Uh, Jake Fromm. Uh, watching him taking kneel downs and like QB sneaks on third and eight was freaking blast. And finally, Robbie Anderson. So other guys that really kind of had these issues. I mean, Sam Darnold, Cam Newton, Philip Walker, three different starting quarterbacks just wasn't really coming along for Robbie. Even DJ Moore did not really, you know, exceed his ADP. But of those guys with the QB factors, which one kind of stand out to you, Sky? Do you want to break down your guy right now? Yeah, you had alluded to it. It's it's Allen Robinson, and this is really um, this is really tough. I mean, similar to to Robert Woods here. I mean, it's easy to like go down this bus list and be like, I had high hopes for Calvin Ridley and DK Metcalf and AJ Brown and Terry McLaurin and Allen Robinson. Robert, they're bust for a reason. We had higher hopes. We drafted them high. They disappointed. That's why they end up on the list. So it's easy to say I had high hopes for this guy, and he he burned me. But like. Robert Woods and Allen Robinson and DK and, and Calvin Ridley specifically were kind of like my guys last year. DK and Calvin Ridley I had in the top five. I just thought they could be the number one. You mentioned A.J. Brown was kind of your like maybe number one guy. Both of those guys were like if everything cooks and Adams and Tyreek kind of slip, those two guys could be the number one guy. I'll take the upside. Obviously, it didn't happen. Woods and, and Robinson, I didn't expect, you know, top five numbers. But I thought both of them were like you draft them as like a low end wide receiver one or high end RB, uh, wide receiver two, but you could get top seven. Allen Robinson was top seven two years in a row. Robert Woods has always flirted with number 12, number 13, right? So Robert Woods let me down. 
Allen Robinson, though, even more so, unfortunately. Career lows across the board, Bob. This is a bummer. He didn't want to be in Chicago, okay? They franchise tagged him. Last year, it was a big story. If you guys, if you don't remember, last year was a big story before he got franchise tagged. He didn't want to be there. He kind of vocally was like, you know, I did my time in Chicago. <laughs> we have minimal talent. We're in the same division as Rodgers. We're not going to be winning anything. I'd rather go elsewhere and, and play for a better squad and have better opportunity. They didn't. They locked him up. Him and Chris Godwin got the franchise tags last year, so he plays another year. Look, I, he didn't have a choice to be in Chicago, and I hate to think that he wasn't out there giving 110% as a pro athlete, and I'm not accusing him as such, obviously, but it did seem that it wasn't all subpar QB play with Allen Robinson. I don't think he was dogging it, but he wasn't as dominant as he ha- as he had been in the rest of his career. He had 150-plus targets the last two seasons back-to-back in 2019 and 2020. He had 66 this year. Now, again, he, he missed you know what would be five games. He played 12. But he was 60th in the NFL in targets. Okay, Just 24 routes run per game compared to 38 in 2021, which was the fourth most in the NFL. Bob talks all the time with wide receivers. He always talks about averages and routes run per game. You want to be on the field like Robert Woods was. And when you're on the field, you want to be running routes like DK Metcalf was. Then when you're running routes, you want to be targeted. Well, Allen Robinson was in 2019 and 2020. He was not running routes and he was not being targeted Harperly in 2021, unfortunately, with the bad quarterback play and the offense in general. Just 38 catches after 98 and 102 in the last two seasons. Again, just 12 games, but 38 catches in 12 games. Terrible. Less than half the receiving yards from 2021 this last year, and just one single touchdown in 12 games. One touchdown in 12 games. Six red zone targets in 2021. He had 19 in 2020. So not even getting the high percentage upside plays either. He was unstartable in fantasy football all year, but you couldn't bench him because he's Allen Robinson. He was wide receiver seven, two years in a row. Very frustrating. Now, that's me being upset about 2021. Looking ahead to 2022, Matt Eberflus comes over from the Colts, former defensive coordinator, defensive mind. We don't need another defensive head coach in Chicago, but I'll save that for another episode. He takes over as a head coach. Luke Getze is the offensive coordinator, used to coach underneath and with Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett in Green Bay. So he's with Rodgers and Adams. So I'm hoping that is a much more productive offense in Chicago. But Allen Robinson is an unrestricted free agent. I expect him to be a quality option again elsewhere next year. I mentioned Darnell Mooney in my mini series with Calvin Ridley last episode. So I love Darnell Mooney to be the number one pretty much regardless, and I think Allen Robinson moves on. He should be an excellent number two anywhere he goes, but he could also be still a number one. Like Woods, I'm also going to buy the dip on Allen Robinson. Mainly for redraft, I'm not excited about him in Dynasty until we find out where he goes. But in redraft, Bob, nobody wants anything to do with Allen Robinson. He burned a lot of people last year. Nobody has faith in the Bears unless he leaves and ends up with like Rodgers or something ridiculous. I don't think the hype is going to be on Allen Robinson. I believe in the player. I believe in the talent. And with a fresh start somewhere like we saw with A.J. Green in Arizona, a fresh start for Allen Robinson, I think we'll see a major bounce back. I'm going to be buying the dip on Allen Robinson. Yeah, uh, 
I know it, it. It yeah. I always talk about routes run, right? He was over six hundred the prior year. This year he ran three hundred and sixty three routes. I mean, he almost cut in half, which is just horrendous. Absolutely crazy, in my opinion. All right, I'm going to talk about my guy. It's Kenny Galladay. I have to do it. I'm a Giants fan, but I am an even bigger Kenny Galladay fan. I so I did a shadow coverage report. Uh, I really evaluated shadow coverage a lot in 2020. And, of course, PFF, by the way, stopped doing shadow coverage report, which is just insane. And if anybody knows where to get shadow coverage data uh, for free or whatever, you know, shoot me a DM. I'd love to know more because once PFF stopped. Anyway, Kenny Galladay is one of the very unique wide receivers. And this is a Kenny Galladay love story. I'm sorry, but he busted this year. I totally get that. But when I tell you this guy has the talent, Brian Dayball is coming in here. Brian Dayball, what he's done on the in the passing game, he's you know really you know look at Stephon Diggs giving him a boatload of targets um, and really kind of centered his offense around the strengths of his players. I mean, he didn't use a tight end two years ago, and then Dawson Knox goes eighth this year. So that's something that I like about Brian Dayball. But Kenny Galladay is one of the very few guys that has the size and the frame to dominate in the red zone and then the speed to beat guys deep. He was one of the very few guys in shadow coverage that dominated some of the best corners in football. So I don't think this is a talent issue. I think what happened was, I mean, the Giants offense was a dumpster fire, the Jason Garrett thing, and then whatever they tried to do with Freddie Kitchens and Joe Judge blew it. But I think Brian Dable is going to come in and, you know, really fix this up. Let's talk some numbers and about why I think Galladay is a lot better, had a lot better season than we really think about. First off, his positional ADP was about wide receiver 30, 77th overall. He finished 100th in points per game and 84th overall. So that's just super fun. Uh, not a great season. His full season stats in half point PPR, he was 5.4 points per game. So that number jumps to seven with Daniel Jones. But there's a key factor in all this. Kenny Galladay got hurt. Um, I think it was about week five, week six. Prior to his injury, he was averaging 70 yards a game and 9.2 points per game. So I understand that 9.2 doesn't really jump out too much. That's about wide receiver 46, but he had zero touchdowns. Zero. This is Kenny Galladay. Okay. You want to hear some nuts numbers about Kenny Galladay? It's almost comical how ridiculous and how unlikely his zero touchdown season was. My dog's looking at me. He's like, Bob, he's getting amped. He's getting amped right now. Kenny Galladay was the only wide receiver in football to have nine or more end zone targets and have zero touchdowns, okay? Other players with nine had either between four and six touchdowns. So end zone touchdown rate is about 40%, 38 to 40% every year, okay? So that means that for nine, he should have at least had four red zone targets. He was the only player with 20 red zone targets with no touchdowns. Okay, that's it. He had 21 red zone targets, zero touchdowns. Cole Komet had 19 and zero, which is another fluke, but he was the only guy with 20 plus. So it's just unreal about how much targets he was getting in scoring opportunities because he's a physical freak. He is a guy that you want to throw it to. So I do believe that the touchdown regression is going to happen for Kenny Galladay in a big time way. Now, when you're looking at Kenny Galladay, no, talk about no one wants him. His current ADP is pick 140, wide receiver 58. Insane. Now, that, that is going to grow. But I'm telling you now, it's Brian Dayball, Daniel Jones. This is another shot. I would love to, I would love to see if they can get Mitch Trubisky to come in and compete. But I do believe that the Giants 
won't pick up Daniel Jones's option and they will bring in some competition for him. And I do believe that Galladay has the talent and he is an alpha receiver. He can take over what Stephon Diggs because Diggs in him, he could definitely fill that type of role. So I'm all in on Kenny Galladay. And that's just my wide receiver bus. Before we get into our next section, Scott, we're going to take a quick commercial break for one of our sponsors, Cara Factor. And we'll be back right after hey, this. Hey, TCK Potters and Fantasy Focus community. Are you looking for options for hair loss? There are many options out there for treating it. However, most products treat the cause, such as DHT, and don't do much to support the growth of new and stronger hair. It's like removing harmful weeds from your lawn, but not doing much to fertilize the grass. That's why the Fantasy Focus and TCK team has partnered with CaraFactor. CaraFactor saw this problem and focused their research on finding just the right combination of biosynthetic growth factors and an innovative delivery system to promote fuller, stronger looking hair. So whether you're a listener who suffers from various forms of alopecia or even stress-related hair loss, the Care Factor treatment is the perfect scalp-friendly solution that can help and influence stronger and healthy hair throughout all stages of the hair life cycle. And now, exclusively for TCK listeners, use the promo code TCK at checkout to get 15% off all products at shop.mycarefactor.com. That's shop.mykerafactor.com. Care Factor, skincare for hair. All right, folks. Hey, that felt good, huh? It's been a while since we last did a, a Cara Factor little spot. Anyway, so let's talk about this next one, and I want to talk briefly about the next uh, category, and I think it's something that gets overlooked a lot, and it's improved surrounding weapons. Now, in this section, it's it's kind of ironic. It's kind of focused on two teams, really, but there is other factors. So DeAndre Hopkins, Amari Cooper, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, and also Michael Gallup, for example, you could put into this. Michael Harmon is someone that you could kind of put in this kind of scenario. Rondell Moore is another player that you could really put in this situation because surrounding talent means that you're going to – better surrounding talent means those guys are going to command more targets than guys like – in the perfect example of this is like Andy Isabella and like Sherfield versus A.J. Green and Rondell Moore in the case that we're talking about with – uh, DeAndre Hopkins and even Christian Kirk was a good example of he improved in his this year because of the year before he was devastated by an ankle injury did not play well so there's that as well so I think in my opinion you, we have to take a look at improved surrounding talent and if that improves surrounding talent is it going to is it accompanied with potential for more volume or is it going to be you know, less is less bites of the pie. So that's, I think, is really important when we look at this stuff because, like, Sutton and Judy had Tim Patrick, Noah Fant, and Melvin Gordon. The offense was okay, but Teddy Bridgewater has never been a high-volume guy. So we should have kind of looked at that and said, hmm, maybe that's not going to work out. But now of these players that we've kind of broken down in this section, Sky, who's a player that you want to talk about in this uh, for improved surrounding talent? Yes, yeah, just to throw a couple other mentions out there, you know, I think of like Debo Samuel for the 49ers finally staying healthy this year. That hurt George Kittle in the long run. Like, you know, Debo Samuel helped the run game by himself and blocking, but George Kittle stayed in more, didn't run as many routes. And Debo Samuel is another option out there. Another one is Justin Jefferson, who we saw blow up as a rookie, but he took another step up 
and really kind of pushed Adam Thielen out of the way there as well, which kind of like, you know, forced those guys to be quote unquote bus, although they didn't have terrible seasons. Another guy here, you've already alluded to it, man. It's DeAndre Hopkins. And this one's tough. I actually was not on the nuke train this year, which is surprising because I have been for years with him and the Texans. And he played very well for the Cardinals last year in his first year there when we thought he wouldn't be able to because the new team, the new scheme, all the things that we're bringing up on this episode were knocks on DeAndre Hopkins two years ago when he went to Arizona. But he crushed, came out of the gate on fire. Him and Kyler Murray were absolutely fantastic. Year two, though, something was off, man. If not for eight touchdowns this year, which is the most for him since 2018, if not for eight touchdowns for DeAndre Hopkins, I think he's got kind of an Allen Robinson stench around him a little bit. Like, he did not have a great season. He had only 10 games played, and he played hurt in a few of those games that he did play. Like Robinson, career lows across the board. Wide receiver 19 in fantasy points per game after four consecutive years of top five finishes. Right? Let's not forget how phenomenally incredible DeAndre Hopkins was with Deshaun Watson and 12 other quarterbacks before Deshaun Watson in Houston. Nuke is incredible. It's not a DeAndre problem, I don't think. As we see with the Kyler drama this summer, it is obviously more than that with Arizona. So after five years of being, or four years of being top five, he now is wide receiver 19. Clearly not going to work when you drafted him in the back of the first round or second round. Just six targets per game this year after 10 targets per game in 2021. Now, 10 to six doesn't sound like a, a huge drop, but when you think of per game and you stretch that over, you know, uh, 10 games, that's 40 less targets. Obviously, that's a huge number there, and that could extend if he played seven more games. He was second in yards after catch in 2020. He had a phenomenal season in 2020. Second in yards after catch with 3.4 yards per target. 554 yards two years ago after the catch. This year, 1.5 per target, just 96 yards after the catch in 10 games. So the big plays weren't there for Nuke, right? We know he's a possession guy, biggest hands in the league, all that, great route runner, red zone target, whatever. But in Houston, he could catch and he could burn a guy, kind of, you know, Demarius Thomas type uh, wide receiver. But this year, he was not getting the big plays, right? Now, I expect Kyler Murray to stay in Arizona. I know there's a bunch of smoke right now, and it's insane. I expect Kyler to stay there. Cliff Kingsbury just got extended. I don't see anything changing in Arizona anytime soon. The kid just needs to get paid, and they'll figure that out. But something was off this year. It was year two with Kyler and Nuke. Last year, they were amazing, as I mentioned. 115 catches, 1,400-plus yards, and six touchdowns for wide receiver five. Now, Bob mentioned this, and this is important, like new surroundings. Larry Fitzgerald kind of like pseudo-retired, but he wasn't playing this year. Okay, So you're thinking like, well, that should be much more opportunity. Well... This kid, Rondale Moore, shows up out of Purdue. He's amazing. All-around player. Had two incredible games early on. Christian Kirk took another step. A.J. Green resurrected his career after three years of just dissolving in Cincinnati. New environment there. And then a solid running game by James Conner, of all people, who absolutely destroyed. And then Chase Edmonds when he was healthy. Not to mention, the second half of the season, you get Zach Ertz out of nowhere. So now they have a tight end to use as well. All of that mixed with injuries to DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray not playing the way that we expected him to for the majority of the season, that really, I think, threw off DeAndre Hopkins and his season overall. So I feel a bounce back in 2022 from DeAndre Hopkins this coming season. 
but I don't see him getting back to top five in fantasy. I just don't. Too many weapons. They, you know, Kyler runs. I mean, Deshaun ran too, but he he also had the check down, which was a bomb to Will Fuller and, and DeAndre Hopkins. Kyler doesn't really do that. He'll be a back-end wide receiver one for me when the rankings shake out, probably wide receiver 12, I would imagine, maybe 12, 14, depending on what happens with Kyler, maybe boost him a little bit more in PPR or something. But I think the days of a top five nuke are behind us. I hope I'm wrong, and I hope he's on the, you know, steals episode next year, and I'll eat that. But I just, I think the history is too strong for nuke to give up on him. But I think the future is a little bit deer in the headlights to just assume it's going to bounce back to top five. Yeah, interesting fun fact about him. He only averaged 4.4 receptions per game. In the previous three seasons, that was 7.2 receptions per game. Uh, I think the biggest question, a lot of question marks for Hopkins is who's coming back? Green's a free agent. Kirk's a free agent. Are they coming back? Zach Ertz a free agent. Are they going to sign a player to come in? They Like Rob Gronkowski or something? I don't know. So there's a lot of weapons leaving them right now. So that could be the flip side. So that's something we have to watch. If they don't bring back, you know, another big time name and it's just him and Rondell Moore, essentially, um, then it's time to really buy him back. But we always talk about this age analysis we did last year. He's going to be turning 30. We know it's not a big drop off, but it's about 8% of his, you know, career high. So uh, 92% of Nuke is still good. But let me ask you this really quick, Sky, about DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Right now his ADP is 36 overall. Wide receiver 16, he's going behind Mike Evans, T. Higgins, uh, Keenan Allen, and Jalen Waddle. What's your thoughts? Would you take him over any of those guys? In PPR, I I, I think Waddle being that high with two is insane, but in PPR, I get it. Um, Evans, for me, is going to be a Tom Brady thing. If he actually comes back and who the quarterback is, I might put Nuke above him. Keenan Allen is definitely uh, probably too low. Wide receiver 16, and you're looking at half PPR, wide receiver 16 makes sense to me. In full PPR, I might boost him a couple because I just expect him to get back to 100-plus targets on a full season, 130 targets or something. So I'll probably have him like 12 to 14, but sounds about right for me right now, man. Wide receiver 16 sounds terrible for Nuke, but I just mentioned I'll I'll probably have him in the same round. All right. My guy is uh, someone I just want to (laughs) – Mari Cooper. I hate you, Mari Cooper, Uh, and I don't blame you. It's not not your fault. Um, uh, Mari Cooper is one of the guys I was really excited about this year. And it didn't work out. It didn't work out for any Dallas player, to be honest with you. We're going to talk about Michael Gallup uh, a little bit later. He was somebody else that potentially isn't really doing that. Even CeeDee Lamb was an honorable mention because he just missed the cut, but he was eight on average about eight and a half spots lower than where he was drafted. So he was not a player that we all thought he was going to be this year either. And, you know, when you look at this uh, from – so first of all, let's talk about Mario Cooper's numbers, 15th was his positional ADP, 41st overall. He finished 29th in points per game and 27th overall. So not great. Wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver three. And when it really starts as a team-level view, you have to – one of the things that I talked about this offseason, and, God, I just hate this. It hurts to bring this up because, like, I have an analysis, the opportunity analysis. I talk about this all the time. And I thought I was so freaking cool with Amari Cooper stats. One of the things I talked about was that Dallas Cowboys had one of the lowest um, new uh, new new available targets in my analysis because they had so many dropbacks the previous year, and I knew they were going to come back to normal. Sure enough, that happens. And even worse is that they had four players that were between six and seven and a half targets per game. 
So there wasn't an alpha. I mean, C.D. Lamb, seven and a half. But then you have Michael Gallup, 6.9, Amari Cooper, 6.9, and even Dalton Schultz, which I don't think anybody really took him seriously to get six targets a game. And that's huge. This led to him having 104 targets. And for the second time in his career, he fell below seven targets per game. So this this is what I'm talking about. So it was a team-level view. He had a huge cratering in an opportunity because the volume came down with the, the Dallas Cowboy defense improving. And then on top of that, Michael Gallup returned healthy. Dalton Schultz was a bigger part of the offense than any of us thought. And then him and CeeDee Lamb kind of monopolized each other because they both deserve some targets. And, and I don't think either of them really took over as a true alpha because of that. But he only had four and a half receptions per game. The previous two years in Dallas, he averaged 7.8 targets and 5.6 t- uh, targets per game. So uh, it's like 5.6 uh, receptions per game versus 4.5. That's a decent amount for the season. So that hurt. On the player level, and here's some general, hey, maybe there's some glimmer of hope. The glimmer of hope comes simple. Gallup's a free agent. Dalton Schultz is a free agent. And then Cedric Wilson is a free agent. That's 227 available targets from those three guys. Hey, fun facts, guy. Did you know that Cedric Wilson made more money than Schultz and Gallup combined last year? <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. Gallup's like 800 k Schultz was like 700000 And then Wilson made like $2.5 million. I just – math. It doesn't make sense. How how could you live with that? Like Gallup's like out there dominating, and the guy behind him on the bench is making like three times as much as him. That's crazy. But anyway, so there's all this available opportunity. We'll see what shakes out with Gallup. Cooper also has been in, and they talk a lot about his potential leaving, being traded. So that's also a huge factor. But if he stays in Dallas, there's a huge amount of opportunity. This could be flipped on its head, right? So if it's Gallup's gone, Cedric Wilson, and they don't bring in another legit wide receiver three, and it's CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper, that could be our huge thing to, to really build off next year. Another thing is when Gall- Cooper played 11 games of 70% of snaps. He averaged 12 and a half points in those games. That would have been wide receiver 19. So – his points per game, really, it comes down to it that he started being a little squeaky wheel. He also had, in the final five weeks, he played 70% of the snaps or more in every game. So over the last five weeks, he started playing on the field more. And when he plays and he's on the field, the guy's still a top 20 wide receiver for fantasy. And the great news is he's going overall 57, wide receiver 25. So if we're, if we're factoring this stuff in with the available opportunities – Overall, but I think really this was just the definition of just too many weapons, not enough volume, and sure enough, it all came crashing down. And plus, Dak, he did throw for more touchdowns, but he threw for like roughly 500 less yards than he did in 2019 with Kellen Moore and company the first year. So it was an interesting year overall for the Dallas Cowboys passing attack. All right, so our last section is a little bit of a fun one. Um, This one is sleepers that never woke up. So me and Sky both take a look at this. There's a bunch of names on here, and I'll, I'll just run through them really quick uh, for this list. Uh, so LaVisca Chenault, Corey Davis, Michael Gallup, Curtis Samuel, Nicole Harmon, Rondell Moore, and Terrace Marshall Jr. I remember there was a time where I thought Terrace Marshall Jr. was going to be a thing. Uh, that did not happen. So those are some of our honorable mentions, some sleepers that never woke up. So, Sky, who do you want to talk about in this section? Well, I'm going to stick with Amari Cooper and the Dallas Cowboys and go with our boy Michael Gallup. This one was a a sad one for me. He was one of my breakout guys 
he could be on a couple of these different lists. I think you mentioned him earlier with, you know, having uh, improved talent around him on that list as well. I- I'm going to throw him in this category. Um, again, he was kind of, I don't know about late round sleeper because people knew about Michael Gallup and expected a big jump, but with CD lamb coming into year two, Blake Jarwin's supposed to come back from, from, you know, he was a late round tight end two years ago. He's supposed to come back healthy. Dak getting healthy, coming back. Zeke being fine. Tony Pollard keeping the ball moving. And Amari Cooper there too. I think a lot of people expected Michael Gallup to kind of be a a, a 2B, if you will, to to uh, CeeDee Lamb's 2A. And that just simply didn't happen. You mentioned Cedric Wilson. Look, it's kind of a joke that he got paid three times as much as Michael Gallup. But Cedric Wilson played like three games last year. I think he caught like four touchdowns. So, there's nothing you can do if the guy's producing, right? I was really high on Michael Gallup last coming in to the season. He only played nine games in 2021. He missed week two through nine, came back week 10, and then he tore his ACL in week 17 against the Cardinals. A late torn ACL is bad news for 2022, but the recovery time these days for these guys is incredible. We saw Cam Akers, of course, come back from a torn Achilles, which is a worse injury in football than a torn ACL. I don't think Gallup's going to be out next year or anything, but Bob mentioned he's a free agent. I expect him to move on from Dallas, hopefully to get a better role somewhere else. Now, the concern for me, though, looking at 2022, is his yards per reception dropped nearly two yards per per catch. Again, two yards doesn't sound like a lot, but when you average over all the receptions, all the games, all the opportunities, it's quite a bit. So he had 14.3 yards per reception. So basically, a first down and a half per catch two years ago. Last year, that fell down to 12 yards. Now, with Dak airing the ball out down the field to everybody else and Michael Gallup being the big play guy in the offense, believe it or not, down the sidelines especially, that is unfortunate to see. His averages across the board went down as well. Even with C.D. Lamb not quite exploding to the way that we all thought he would, Amari Cooper held in check, as Bob just mentioned. And for the most part, Gallup still couldn't really break out. So, Schultz was kind of the middleman we thought Gallup was going to be. I expect Gallup to move on from Dallas and find a nice number two role. And he's very talented, but he was overshadowed last year by Cedric Wilson and other people in Dallas. So if he lands on a decent team with a quality quarterback, I'll probably be all in again as a late round kind of a sleeper guy. But uh, he's going to have to get work consistently, and I'm concerned about that. What is your ideal landing spot for Michael Gallup? Man, that's a great question. Uh, to be a number two, to be honest with you, I'm not prepared for the question, but just kind of thinking <laughs> off cuff here. Uh, honestly, I mean, like Chicago, Allen Robinson leaves. Chicago, I think, would be nice because he could be the number one uh, with Darnell Mooney or the number two. I think that works. Um, I think Buffalo could use another strong one with Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley moving on there. Um, I mean, the Packers never make a move, but with Aaron Rodgers – back-to-back MVPs and Devontae Adams probably getting franchise tagged. If they bring Rodgers back, they could bring in a, a you know a, a cheap, great option as a number two, which they haven't really had over all these years. So Michael Gallup would be great in Green Bay. Um, Washington, potentially, if they pull a big gun at, at quarterback, maybe even Miami as well. I love the Packers one. I was thinking Packers, actually, when I asked the question. Sorry to put you on the hot seat, buddy. All right, let's do Corey Davis. Uh, Corey Davis is my guy that I want to talk about. And Corey Davis is one of the very few guys that when you're looking at his actual points per game versus the actual, you know, ADP that he was at, he was actually not too far off. So his positional ADP prior to the season was 40th. 
He was uh, just outside the top 100 picks at 102. He finishes the wide receiver 37 and overall 66. So when you're diving into Corey Davis, I think when we were looking at him preseason, him and Zach Wilson preseason had some highlights. They were balling together, and Zach Wilson looked very comfortable throwing the ball to Corey Davis. And the numbers reflect that. So on the season, he averaged 9.8 points per game. If you look at start drilling down, in, and Davis was another one of these guys who came back, got hurt again, uh, played played hurt just like Hopkins we talked about. When he played 50% of snaps or more, he averaged 10.7 points per game. But the key here is the Zach Wilson games. When he played with Zach Wilson. With Zach Wilson on the season, he averaged 11.8 points per game. That is wide receiver 26 right between CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks. So a high-end wide receiver three in the games with a rookie quarterback in a brand new system. Everything was new for the Jets. So that is like the toughest situation. And I think one of the key factors here, we talk about new schemes, but system continuity. Continuity is the greatest thing. It's boring in fantasy football, but it's the best thing for fantasy. And the Jets were one of the very few teams that had a new quarterback, new number one wide receiver, new running back, new scheme, new everything. So for us to sit here and think that that was going to become fantasy success might have been stupid. I'll admit I was probably too high on Corey Davis. But the other factor about Corey Davis was his usage in the red zone. And he was a dynamo. He was eighth, top 10 in eighth in both red zone touchdowns and end zone touchdowns weeks one through seven with Zach Wilson. So he was a guy that was getting red zone looks, finding the end zone. And, you know, he was a big time factor there. So when you're looking at him for 2022, you're getting him at a ridiculous discount. Overall, pick 144, wide receiver 60 in early February best ball ADP. So wide receiver 60. This on top of the fact that they are uh, losing Jamison Crowder and Braxton Berrios, and that doesn't sound like a lot, but those guys combined for 136 targets last year. So that's a decent – that was number two and three on the team. Uh, And then this is a second-year leap team. I talk about this all the time. Second year in a system is the best time to find value in drafts, and I think that's going to be huge for Davis and Zach Wilson and company. So that's why I'm buying Corey Davis as my sleeper that didn't wake up this year, but he's going to wake up next year. That's all we got today, folks. That's it. So that is our full breakdown of all our busts. But the good news is me and Sky will be back tomorrow for two more quick hitters for you. Uh, and breaking down Julio Jones, because Sky has to talk about Julio, and his boy Brandon Ayuk. So we'll be talking about those guys tomorrow, some quick deep dives into their films. We'll have much more detail on them. Once again, I'm Bobby Lamarco. That's Sky Gawasco. This is the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast on the Fantasy-Focused YouTube channel. All our episodes are brought to you by Online AG and a part of the Believe Podcast Network. Thanks again for joining us, guys. We'll be back tomorrow. We are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.